0: Hello and welcome to this next episode of Dallas Christian College's Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement at Dallas Christian College, and we are glad that you joined us in our continuing series looking at current topics and events that are impacting our society, particularly uh, the world of, of education and the local church. And today, we are picking up where we left off with our previous podcast with DCC President Dr. Brian Smith, our Vice President of Academic Affairs, Dr. John Derry, and DCC's Vice President of Institutional Advancement, Mark Worley. Just a real quick uh, recap. Uh, We were setting the stage for for many of the challenges that our uh, Christian colleges are facing right now. Uh, in light of the, the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of the social unrest, just everything that has impacted our economy and our churches, uh, we were particularly focused on a, an article that came out in the Christian Standard recently by Dr. Uh, Derrick uh, entitled, Navigating the Perfect Storm. And we talked about the idea that, that a lot of these events happening in our world have, have all come together to create this uh, very challenging season where we are focused on on how to stay true to our mission and uh, uh, obviously trying to attract more students to our colleges and uh, just to to make budget and and a lot of those things. So today we're going to continue in that discussion by looking at some of the solutions and some of the forecasts or prognoses that we have for the future. And we'll let both Dr. Derry and Dr. Smith speak into that. But I'm going to turn it over now to our moderator and host, Mark Worley.
1: Thanks, Scott. Well, last episode was pretty incredible. Just coming up with uh, a variety of different ideas and thoughts about Christian higher education. I I, I know that uh, there's a there's a television show, Tucker Carlson show, and and Tucker Carlson seems to always uh, be attacking the cost of higher education. And so, uh, Doctor Derry, you said uh, there's a few of the conditions that are contributing to the higher education perfect storm and we talked about several of those but one of those is affordability as tuition room and board increase to the point that the average family just can't afford it so uh, there's that along with as uh, Dr. Smith knows uh, a growing operational costs and and regulations that require colleges to either reduce staff or or increase rates and it seems like college education has gone higher and higher. So, uh, John, why don't you address that condition? Uh, you wrote it down for a purpose. And, and why would you address that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's understandable uh, why people would say that's a, a challenge for them when they take a look at the cost of higher education. Uh, today, student loan debt in America is $1.6 trillion which is more than all the credit card debt we have in this country. So when you begin to think about it, you say, holy cow, no wonder these people are upset about it, and, and you, it's been a big topic in Congress. And uh, so people are faced with this burden, and what happens is, when I've, I've seen students literally graduate from college with an undergraduate or graduate degree owing over $100,000. And when they try to start paying that back when they're 22 years old, or 24, or 25, the next thing you know they're paying for that for 20-25 years and the impact on that is it keeps them from being able to save for their retirement uh, it, and sometimes they default on student loans and then colleges are held accountable for that it's just an incredibly complex problem that people are dealing with so that's why I think in that recent election you saw people talking about free community college and free college for people that make under 125,000 a year and all these kinds of proposals because we value higher education in America, but it has uh, inflated at such a rate that it has put itself out of the reach of most families, even middle-class families today. So it is a problem, but there are some solutions. And But the pressure on colleges now is saying, okay, uh, you need to make your make your education affordable, so how do you do that? Well... That's, that's a, that's a great I'll question. Let, I'll let yeah. uh, <laughs> Dr. Smith answer that question. I <laughs> <That's> a just <lot. laughs> Well, I was, I was, just, thinking, I was I just thinking, John, you retired. <laughs> I, that's so not my not problem. So it's not your problem. That's, that's that's Brian's problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so,
1: uh, Brian, you haven't retired yet. No. So uh, no. you may feel that thinking way. about it. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, – I mean what are you what do you, I mean I know that you've talked about this quite a bit yeah. here in in cabinet meetings and and uh in, in different uh, trustee meetings and yeah. things like that line, along those lines. So I mean you would be in agreement with uh, Dr. Derry, right?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely and you know especially in the Christian higher education world and especially with small Christian colleges uh none of us are are charging what we charge for fun because we want you know the presidential helicopter, which I don't have for the record. Uh, we take our—I joke that we take our nonprofit status very seriously. Uh, in, in other words, we're not—we're not, we're not getting rich off of this. Uh, but it's true that Christian higher education, for lots of reasons, increased regulations. Uh, there's there's all kinds of uh, you know hu- huge things that increase the cost of education, uh, including student expectations that you know you want you know, to eat a certain way when you live on campus, you want to have an athletic program that is world class, even though we're a small Christian college. And, and, and all of those expectations when you're trying to create the college experience that students have come to expect and parents have come to expect, it costs a lot more. If we were just delivering our core education, it'd be a lot less expensive. And so, you know, the real trick is figuring out how to innovate Uh, to the point where you can both attract students to what you have uh, but to also deliver on your mission to be able to stay on mission and do what you're supposed to do.
1: Yeah now I think uh, I mean I've been a part of some of these conversations and I've been really excited about the fact that we're aware of the problem and I'm pretty excited about the fact that we're addressing some of those problems and uh, especially for those who are going into ministry, those kinds of things. So, uh, why, don't, why don't you address some of the innovative? You mentioned it, innovative yeah. things that we're doing.
3: Yeah, it's um, it, it's only a start, and it feels like you're, uh, you know, uh, fighting a fire with a squirt gun. It's at at, at some points, but um, here at DCC, you know, we, we realize that cost comes in a lot of forms. It's not just the actual tuition and fee cost. It can be, for example, the duration of your degree. How long does it take to graduate? Um, and all of those things can can come together. So, you know, this last year we launched the um, the degree in three, which means that a student with absolutely no transfer credit can get a degree in three years flat. <laughs> uh, and al- almost all of our programs, teacher education, will take you a tad longer. Um, that'll save you an entire year off your education. Um, it involves a substantial summer program that's a very, very low cost. Uh, for some students, it can be zero out of pocket if they receive Pell Grant, for example. Um, they can take a whole year off your education. For us, missionally, that means that someone can not only be out in the field, whatever that is, doing kingdom work, whether as a teacher or a business person or, or in ministry, uh, whatever that happens to look like, a year earlier, but they can also uh, possibly save quick calculation Someone might save an equivalent of $50,000 off their education because they're getting out of the career early and they can save a lot of a lot of money. Uh, we've just done a tuition reset for our online program that we, we've almost cut it in half um, in, in, for ministry students and, and and a bit less than that for, for every other program. But, I mean, we're very, very competitive cost-wise. Now, of course, that comes for, for, uh, with a danger. We are battling the reality that costs of higher education – are, are very high. This is an expensive ministry. This is an expensive mission. This is an expensive industry because you're hiring uh, people that are very well qualified, faculty with higher degrees, and you have um, specialists that run your financial aid department and their fundraisers and and all these people. Uh, it, it, it's an expensive uh, thing to do, uh, but it's absolutely vital and absolutely important. So I, I think that You know, the kinds of innovation that can help you at least significantly address the cost is huge, but it's still an absolute threat uh, to Christian higher education is that we will prevent families from choosing Christian higher education because they they can't even see, how do I get past the cost? To be able to get the biblical education, the Christian worldview, and the career preparation, not to mention the mentoring and the spiritual development that can happen at a Christian college, and I don't want cost to be a detractor.
1: Yeah, you, you talked about some of the innovative things that yeah. that uh, DCC is doing in particular, John. Let's let's go back to you. I mean, when you hear that, uh, does that does that? Is that a warning bell that goes off in your head to say, hey, wait a minute, Uh, you're cutting your tuition costs, you're raising scholarship amounts, does that spell disaster or danger for Dallas Christian College or Christian higher education to do things like that?
2: Yeah, see, that's a, uh, a trend that every college is dealing with today, and it's because the competition heats up. So, when families are getting ready to look about what school am I going to attend, one of the big questions they're asking is, how much scholarship am I going to get? So, unfortunately, sometimes they make the decision, not based on necessarily the quality of education, but on how much scholarship money am I going to receive? And so, you get into this vicious cycle, this competition among uh, institutions where everybody's trying to outbid the other, and that's especially true for some of the most highly qualified students. Uh, they can get some very good scholarships uh, at institutions today, and deservedly so. Same thing with athletics. You know, it's the outstanding merit scholarship that goes to uh, some of the best athletes, and so that people are competing for those all the time. It, that's just the name of the game today. And so you get into this uh, world, and you have to make sure you are balancing your uh, needs of the institution against those awards that you're giving out. That's why we end up with people like you having to go out and raise money to help subsidize the operation. <laughs>
1: Thanks for the plug, John. Any anytime. Time.
2: <laughs> subsidize the operation of the school.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I just, I can remember uh, when I was graduating from high school, I had a full four-year scholarship offered to me, but I really wanted to find truth, and I was really focusing on trying to find God. And so DCC opened up as an opportunity for me Uh, you know I wasn't thinking as much as cost back then but I think today it's a whole different world Mm -hmm. and so I love what you said in your article you said there's no shortage of prognosticators who envision a gloomy future for uh, higher education however out of adversity we can emerge refined stronger and more effective I love that Uh, In in fact, you gave three ways that I I would call them solutions to staying uh, strong in a perfect storm. Uh, You said, first of all, stay focused on the mission. Why don't you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I think there's a temptation. uh, You know, we're all familiar with the book about mission drift. And there's a real temptation when you're in adverse conditions like this to make compromises and say, okay, if I have to do this to survive, I'll go ahead and do it. And I think it's important for trustees of colleges and for presidents of universities and colleges to make sure that they're staying focused on mission. So whatever, uh, which kind of leads into the next thing I'm going to I pointed out in the article, whatever you're going to be doing, be sure that you have not abandoned your original mission. And so when you have a school like uh, our Bible colleges across the country, we, we can all go back and trace our heritage to uh, people who said, we need to start this school to train people for ministry. And that's the heart of who our schools are. But it's so easy to let something else overshadow that until pretty soon that's taken a back burner or back seat to everything else you're doing. And I, I think it's important, especially for our Bible colleges today, not to forget why we were established. It doesn't mean that's the only thing that we're going to do, but it means... We've got to remember, that's what we're doing.
1: Yeah, you referred to a book called Mission Drift by Peter Greer, incredible book uh, that, that, that takes a look at uh, chur- parachurch organizations and how they lost uh, their original intent. Uh, I, frankly, uh, schools like Harvard or Yale, uh, Princeton that started off as Bible colleges, but somehow drifted From their original intent and Brian I I know that uh, DCC really took a look at that and struggled with that and uh, we don't have too much time here but but you want to just mention uh, what resulted from that
3: yeah we uh, I've been here for just over six years as of about three days ago and the first uh, couple of years is, is always a new leader learning who you are what you are and really exploring what's the heartbeat of, uh, of this place? What's the DNA? Whatever analogy you might want to use. And, um, you know, we, we did, the, did the hard work of, of praying through, uh, even asking God rather boldly, and it was scary, should we exist? Kind of going back to the drawing board and asking God, do you want us here? Is what we do worth it? And, and the answer, I'll skip to the end, was a resounding yes, <laughs> yeah. of course, we're, we're still here, but, but we wanted to ask God rather plainly, do you, do you want us to be here, do you want us to exist, and how do we stay more faithful to that mission? And so, um, you know, our, our essential conclusion is that, however you may put it, but to put it in the words of Jesus, we want to send out workers for the harvest. Uh, we, we want to send out workers in various fields, uh, that are uh, prepared um, pretty uniformly like someone w- would be prepared for a professional ministry position, but might very well be in another vocation and be able to have as their primary concern above all other things, the kingdom of God, reconciling all people to Christ. And uh, so, you know, the truth is that that ministry, how it happens has changed. And all of the various positions uh, have perhaps changed since we were founded 70 years ago in 1950. You know, you can have a technology background and still do a great job in ministry. You're absolutely needed. Uh, Bible translation is a great example of they need information technology people and marketing people and administrators and not just Bible translators. And so all of those people can can be in the kingdom of God. We're about all of that, but it's still all about ministry at the end of the day.
1: John – you, you, uh, Another example of uh, things that, that Christian higher education needed to do in order to, uh, to weather the perfect storm was be prepared to pivot. And I love that. I really love the statement. In fact, I underlined it. I'm going to try to remember it. It says, quite often, what got you where you are won't get you where you want to go. Man, that's just such a profound <laughs> statement. I'll say it again. Quite often... What got you where you are won't get you where you want to go, and so you say we got to be prepared to pivot. And so I know here at the college you've you've uh, introduced some pivoting <laughs> here at the college. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, about pivoting and and uh, some of the some of the things that that you've suggested and introduced here at the college?
2: Yeah. Um I don't know why I heard that statement. It's probably not, I probably stole it from somewhere. But anyway, it, it stuck in my mind. And what that said to me was, um, if we think we're going to be able to keep doing the same things for the next 25 years we've done for the last 25 years, that's the old definition of insanity. Yeah. And it just isn't going to make it. So we've got to be prepared to do something different. And I think it's, there's nothing at all wrong as long as you're staying mission focused of doing something out of the box. And that's where we look at the innovation and say, hey, what can we do that still retains our mission and doesn't change that at all, but it's gonna be done in a different way. And, and there's nothing I've loved more than being part of an organization that's innovative. It, it's an exciting, challenging uh, experience to be a te- part of a team that says, hey, let's don't be afraid to try something different. Let's get out there and, and uh, do something that nobody's done it this way before. And there's some very innovative things happening today. And one of the things I've pointed out in the the article also was forming strategic partnerships. There are consortiums popping up all over the place today. I mean, there's just a flurry of that happening because schools are saying, you know, there's no reason for us to compete against each other. We can collaborate. We can cooperate. We can share programs. And and it's more cost effective. We can take the best of both worlds and learn to work together. And, And I've advocated that. 10 or 15 years among our schools and, and the Christian church. And uh, we're still trying to figure out how to make it happen, but uh, sometimes uh, necessity is a mother of invention, and that's not original <laughs> with me either, No, by it's the not. Way. No, uh, I, I've,
1: I've heard uh, that one before. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it may be that we're facing a time where, so, you know, I guess we're going to have to do what we've kind of resisted for a long time and learn how to work together.
1: Yeah, so, so these three suggestions uh, that you give, I guess we call them su- suggestions, is staying focused on the mission, be prepared to pivot, and form strong uh, partnerships. Okay, uh, so, so what's the prognosis if those things are in effect?
2: You know, I'm not depressed or discouraged about the future of Christian higher education. I just think it's going to look different. And so as we look to the future, there's tremendous opportunity out there, and it's just important for us to, to not throw in the towel, not give up, not feel defeated, but just to get ready to say, hey, this is going to look a little different, and uh, de- dealing with all these uh, contributing factors that are part of the perfect storm, there, there is a way to deal with them. You know, Unfortunately, the Andrea Gale that, was the, <laughs> that George Clooney and his movie were about didn't make it. And I don't want to be one of those. And I, so that's why I think we need to pay attention to the signs of the time, look at look at the what's happening to us, and be be prepared to do something a little bit different in higher education among our, among our churches and schools. So, uh,
1: Brian, how is it working with a guy like John Derry? Oh,
2: Who's he's doing it? okay.
3: <laughs> um, you know, he uh, I have to bring him along sometimes because he uh, doesn't doesn't know what he's talking about. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, obviously, I'm kidding. You know the the truth is with with all of this, um, you know beyond what we can do, what we can innovate, um, the ways in which God can lead us to look differently for another seventy years for us, or another fifty years for another school, or whatever. You know, I I I, I keep going back to the the central idea that we're here to serve the church. Um, we're preparing workers for the harvest, but that's ultimately the church global. It, it's it's their job. Yeah. And we as part of the church are absolutely committed to that mission and, and without the deep partnership and deep commitment of and reciprocity between we and the church global, I, I I don't think any amount of uh innovation by itself or any amount of being on mission by itself will be enough. I think it's absolutely the church thinking they don't they don't want to live without us and we don't want to live without them um because we're preparing preparing workers for the harvest and that that mission is ultimately uh what Christ gave us that that we have to do it's it's living out the great commission and so you know this is um uh, all all of these things are recipe for success I think but uh with, without the buy-in from the church and we continue to partner with the church well, frankly, I don't want to exist not uh, out of partnership with the church. I, I think we need to do that, yeah.
1: John, you've said before that you're really enjoying uh, life right now. Uh, well, I
2: was until Brian said I was doing okay. But <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's been great working with you guys here at DCC. Yeah, yeah
1: wh- why is that?
2: Um, I love higher education. It's been a part of my whole life. I've dedicated my entire career to it. And uh, I'm just very blessed and fortunate to be able to be back at a, at a place where during this time of my life when I've got a lot of flexibility, can set my own schedule and uh, tremendous freedom to be able to do things like this. And I'm working with the ABHE and some Christian foundations and other organizations. So uh, just just a great time.
1: Yeah, it really appears to me that you really enjoy innovation and you're finding that uh, possibility here. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's a way to weather the storm, mm-hmm. the perfect storm that's facing Christian higher education. Would love to get uh, 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 some time to talk about uh, the results of the election uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that are, that's happening as far as uh, a Christian higher education, but that may be a future uh, a future podcast. But uh, thank you guys for uh, uh, for the insights and the the future of Christian higher education. Thank uh, you. It's been I'll a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Good. I'll turn it over to Scott.
0: Yeah, and thank you again for joining us. And I uh, hope the, these uh, discussions we've had on the current state and what we think will be the future of Christian higher education have been encouraging and challenging to you you know uh, it was mentioned uh, by President Smith about DCC's 70th anniversary and we are uh, in the midst of celebrating that in the year 2020 uh, we were founded in 1950 with the mission statement of preach the word and uh, we are continuing to do that as we prepare workers for the harvest changing the world for Christ one student at a time with an education that is accessible, affordable, and attainable. And so if you'd like more information about some of the things that were mentioned, including our uh, degree in three, tuition reset, scholarship, uh, you can find out all that information at our website, www.dallas.edu. But again, I want to thank Dr. Derry, President Smith, Mark Worley for being here today. And we pray that you have a, a blessed day. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.